How's it going, guys? Tyler Silver with the Silver Performance Training Podcast, and today is episode number 14. Just like the other solo episodes, I'm just going to be going through questions I got through the podcast email and through social media, and I'm going to do my best to answer them, and then hopefully if the people that are listening have similar questions, it's beneficial to them as well. But let's get started. Um, something I found helpful coaching with you was the social media overhaul thing you had me do. Unfollowing negative people and following more fitness and nutrition professionals instead of influencers was really beneficial to me. You should talk about that. Okay, I'll talk about it. So one of the things that I have people do when I train with them is I like to ask them who they follow as far as fitness, fitness influencers go. Um, I like to ask them what type of nutrition pages they follow, what type of media figures they follow, because um, the type of media that you follow and the type of fitness influencers um, you follow really determines what type of outlook you have on the world and what your ideas about fitness and nutrition are. And some of the time that's good, right? Like if you're following good professionals like sports dietitians and great personal trainers and strength coaches and, you know, things like that, that's great. But it can also be pretty detrimental when people are following you know, 20 year old, uh, you know, fitness influencers that don't have a background in coaching and are only the only person that they train is themselves. And so they're giving this really broad information about what it means to be healthy and fit. Um, that doesn't fit um, in a cookie cutter sense, the average person, right? So yeah, I really like to go through with clients that I work with and go like, hey, what are the pages you follow? I look at those pages, you know, I like to kind of determine whether or not, and, you know, obviously clients are free to follow whoever they'd like, but sometimes they get really bad, um, you know, body image issues with looking at some of these people and they're really not the people they should be following as far as who they should um, be trying to become, right? Like if you're a 40 year old mom of three and you're just trying to shed a couple pounds so that you can run around with your kids and you just want to feel a little bit better about yourself, probably following, you know, a 19 year old fitness influencer is not the best idea. So yeah, that's a big thing that I do with a lot of the people I work with is just go, okay, I know you like to follow them for entertainment purposes, but is it really useful to your fitness journey? That's something I always say, like with the people you follow, I think it's fine to follow people for simple, um, you know, for entertainment purposes, but I think you ought to be careful about who you follow because um, you might find yourself trying to replicate some of the things that they do, and they're probably not that in line with your goals, needs, and personal preferences. Um, I also do that, you know, other than just looking at the influencers, like, hey, you know, who do you follow? Are, are your fitness influencers, are they professionals? Or are they just some random 19 year old like making videos, which is great. Everybody has to start somewhere. Good for them too. Um, just not as useful to people that need more personalized approach, right? So we'll start with the influencers and what type of pages do you follow? And then I like to go to, um, I like to go from the influencers to like even personal contacts, right? So are there people that you follow from high school that you know, you don't really talk to anymore. Are there people that you follow from high school or college that, you know, you did talk to, but you're trying to do things a little bit differently now and you don't really find the things that they do are in line with, you know, who you're trying to be or what you're about. Um, you don't have to obviously unfollow everybody that's not doing what you do. That's not what I'm saying. You should keep your friends and you should, you should find other ways to connect with them other than, you know, health and fitness. But um, I also think that's a really beneficial thing too. I personally have done this and it's like, you know, if you don't follow someone, especially for me, like I live in Arizona, if you don't follow someone, they don't exist, right? Like, so someone could have like, you know, these opinions about you from years ago, right? Just like this guy's an asshole or this guy, you know, this girl, like, I don't, I don't like who she is. And, and it wouldn't matter because you're not connected to them in any way, right? Like you don't live in that town. You don't, have them as a social contact. You don't see their lives. They don't see yours. So, you know, I don't, that's kind of the way I look at it is like, you know, get yourself following the right people, get yourself following the people that are living in line with the things you want to do. Um, you know, follow good, positive role models and, and influencers that are professionals. And I think if you do that, then you're going to be in a good place. Um, 
because just as much as people say social media is a really negative thing, I think it can be a really powerful tool too. I think it's just all about how you use things, um, to be honest with you. I think the people that get obsessive and they get really depressed looking at social media stuff, it's a lot of time they're following the wrong people and they're comparing themselves to the wrong people and through the wrong lens. And, you know, if they're older, right, they're comparing themselves to someone 20 years younger than them or someone that was just born with better genetics, which is all, you know, is, is definitely a real thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't think people should fall into that trap. I think that social media can work for you if you're smart about how you, um, how you do it and who you decide to follow. Okay, so let's go into the second question. Is there anything training or nutrition related that you've come back around to as you've come back around to? Yeah, you know, I think this is the thing when you, man, if you play sports when you're younger, it's really easy to, when you get into, if you fall off fitness for a while and you get back into fitness as, as an adult, it's easy to forget the things you know that you need to do to get fit, right? You know, so if you played sports when you're younger, for example, like if you played football, right? You know, to get fit, you need to run, you need to jump, you need to throw things, you need to lift weights. You need to go play your, play your sport, right? And practice movement skills. And um, I think some of the time when, you know, I was consuming, you know, even during like college and I was, you know, I was a little bit overweight and I wanted to get back in shape. I was like really learning about fitness and like a corrective sense, you know, like I was, I was learning all these really um, remedial movements for people that were like new to training. And I think some of the times I would end up training like someone that had never trained and lifted weights before, just because I hadn't done it for a while. When I knew kind of the whole time, like some of the basic lifts that I should be doing, um, you know, and, and some of the basic activities I should be doing. So I know I got away from like, you know, just good old fashioned strength training, just good old fashioned, go out to a field and run around and do some sprints and do some conditioning and good old fashioned, go throw a med ball around and Olympic lifting and things like that. And um, I think that's something as you get, as you become a coach, you have to be really cognizant about is a lot of the times we know the answers to the things we need to do. We just need to listen to ourselves. Um, you know, some of these activities like running and jumping and things that I kind of re-added over the last couple of years, it's like, I knew I should have been doing them the whole time. And I was listening to people, people's opinions, probably not the most athletic people's opinions of like, hey, you know, running hurts your knees and you, know, you shouldn't do plyometrics as you get older because blah, blah. And it's, and it's just so not true. I think we all know what's good for our body and that's to be able to you know, run and jump and sprint and throw and climb and all these things as an adult. So I, I got more into kind of remedial types of training, doing a lot of correctives, doing a lot of foam rolling, doing a lot of mobility and stability stuff. And, you know, while that stuff has value, it's not getting you 80, you know, 85 to 95% of your results. So which strength training is right. And eating good, um, good nutritious uh, foods that fuel and, and help you rebuild after you train. Those are the important things. So um, I'll go into the next one then. So nutritionally, that's something too, is I've tried just about everything. You know, this is the thing, like when I was younger, I realized as an adult um, that my parents fed me like the perfect sports diet. You know, I was always eating bread and I was always eating rice and I was always eating oatmeal um, and fruit and, and I would eat protein for sure, you know, adequate, uh, adequate amounts. But like my focus was on fueling, you know, from practice to practice to lifting, um, things like that. I just ate, you know, I, I consumed so many carbohydrates because I was so active and it made sense. And I noticed as I got older nutritionally, I, I got sucked into the, you know, everybody trying to sell you a book. I right, try keto, oh, you know, try uh, Atkins, try you know, it's really because you're not just eating vegetables. It's really, you should go vegan. It's really, you should go. And, and I listen to all these people with probably, again, same thing, not the best background in nutrition and dietetics and not the best background in performance and some of the, you know, some of the goals that I wanted for myself. And I found myself trying to, trying to eat the way that they were telling me to eat instead of listening to myself. Um, you know, I, I totally believe in keeping up with the research and and trying different things. But I think 
it's odd how life works, how, you know, when I was in my best shape, when I was 18, you know, I was lifting weights and, uh, and running and, uh, you know, jumping and throwing things and, and playing games and rollerblading, like I rollerblade and, and do some other things like that. And, you know, and I was eating carbohydrates and, and adequate amounts of protein, you know, how I was in really good shape. And now I find myself as an adult doing the same thing, just with the added knowledge of like, okay, I need to get some color on my plate and things like that. But, um, you know, there's no need to be one of those people that cuts all those things out of your diet, because you realize when you actually start training, you know, you know, in a well-rounded manner, you need a lot of those things. So yeah, nutritionally, I think something I got away from was you know, just a good sports diet where, you know, we're leading with carbohydrate and we're getting adequate protein, but we're not over prioritizing, you know, eating massive amounts of protein and, and eating massive amounts of vegetables and fruit, which you need that you do. But, um, but it was almost like it was just protein and veggies for me for a while. And I wasn't, I was really ignoring the things that were like fueling my workouts and, um, fueling my brain, carbohydrates, and, you know, the main fuel source for you. Yeah, I think those are some things I got away from. And I'm really glad that, you know, as I train and as I work with people um, for their sake as well, too, that I've, I've really reeled that in and realized that, you know, contrary to what everybody likes to tell you to sell books and, and, you know, I lost this much weight, I'm doing this, you know, it, carbohydrate is something you absolutely need in your diet in, you know, minimally processed forms when you're eating it at most meals and then, you know, in more processed forms around your workouts as, as needed. But yeah, um, that's something I really am glad I got away from. Okay, you guys see my butt cup, by the way? This girl makes these books, they're incredible. Um, I, should put a, I should put a link for this in the description, but for learning Anat and Fizz, I really, really like this. Got all the insertions and everything on here. and. Everything mapped up. All right, squirrel. All right, let's get to the next question. So I always do good clean eating throughout the day and not snacking, but I'm always so hungry when I get home. Oh, imagine that um, from work and I end up binge eating every couple of days. What can I do to stop overeating at night? Okay, so going back to the carbohydrate thing, uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you the same thing that I tell most clients I work with is, if you are in a 2000 calorie deficit at the end of the day, you are going to overeat and you are going to crave high calorie foods. You're going to crave high sugar foods because you're undernourished. Um, you know, so this is a big thing. Like uh, a lot of people that come in and work with me, you know, the first thing that I do when I work with people for nutrition coaching is go, I'm not going to tell you anything to do right now. I just need to see your plates, you know? So for, for the next one to two weeks, I just want you to snap a picture of everything you eat, right? I don't even need you to write down the increments. I don't need to, I don't need this big, long description. Show me the picture of the things on your plate, and then we'll start making decisions from there. Well, you know, what we find a lot of times is, you know, these clients are not eating breakfast, right? In the most active part of their day, right? They're not fueling their day. Um, so they're not eating breakfast. They are, you know, barely snacking at work. When they eat lunch, it's some bullshit catered in by their company, and, you know, I, and I, and I feel bad for these people because, right, I've worked, you know, worked at the Mayo Clinic and they had the case where, you know, doctors would kind of reward the nurses with uh, donuts and bring them in. And, and, and then, you know, I have a buddy that I train who works at a car dealership. They kind of do a similar thing where they cater in food for lunch and it's not usually the most nutritionally sound options. And it makes me feel for him, right? Because if it's there, it's that John Berardi golden rule, right? Like if you put something in your house, you or someone you love will eat it. Well, you know, that's the case at work. So, right, you're catering that stuff and you'll end up eating it. But yeah, I would say if you find yourself overeating at the end of the night, it's usually because you're not, you're not eating during the day. Um, you know, so one of the first things I would tell you to do is if you're not eating breakfast already, do it. And then make sure that you get a good minimally processed carbohydrate in the morning. You know, something as simple as like, it could be oatmeal and, and um, some slices of banana. You know, you can still do your eggs or whatever for your protein that you like to do, but get a little side of, um, you know, oatmeal. I'm working with one of my friends, uh, Noah. One of the solutions that we just came up with for him um, to add some carbohydrate to 
um, to his nutritional plan uh, before his lifts is, you know, just get some instant oatmeal, you know, just um, grab some instant oatmeal. I think they're about 120 a, a packet for calories, right? Get yourself an extra, you know, two of the one or two of those, you know, 120 to 240, 240 calories with some mixed berries on top um, before you start your day. You'll be really surprised how much more energy you'll have in the day. Just getting some simple carbohydrate in the morning um, in the form of, you know, oatmeal. Obviously, old-fashioned oats would be a better option if you can do it. Um, but if you're pressed for time, just grab some instant oats. It's going to be good too. And then just top it off with some fruit. And then what we'll find usually is when I'm working with people is those people that were reaching for a coffee first thing, you know, by 10 o'clock after they start their day, they're like, oh, I still have energy. Well, it's like, yeah, well, because you weren't consuming any carbohydrate in the early part of your day when you need it to think, when you need it to be active at your job and to be to be present, right? Not just there, to be present. Um, and that generally really, really helps um, for people that are overeat. And then, so, and then so second thing I would say too is, you know, pack a lunch, pack a good lunch, same thing, get some good carbohydrate in there, you know, a side of rice, side of sweet potato, side of, side of fresh fruit, whatever you gotta do to get, um, to get some extra calories and some extra carbohydrate minimally processed carbohydrate in your diet because, you know, I tell people if all you ate was protein and vegetables, no wonder you're in such a large caloric deficit and no wonder you feel like shit at the end of the day, because, you know, if you look at like the calorie count of like a chicken breast or a, a thing of broccoli, it's just not enough by itself um, to give you the calories you need to be successful in anything, whether it's health or performance or fitness, um, you need to eat more in the earlier part of your day, the more active part of your day. And the, and the big way you're going to do it is getting some extra carbohydrate in there. So um, I would say, look at doing that because if you consume an even spread throughout the day, right, you think a meal and kind of mini meal throughout the day, you know, four to six meals, you don't get ravenously hungry at the end of the day because you're in the optimal fueling zone throughout the day. The people that do intermittent fasting and things like that, the reason they have such large swings is because you can consume too much. You can consume too much protein or carbohydrate or calories that you, you won't take it all in the way you would if you ate it in a balanced way throughout the day. So instead of going, you know, eat one meal at the beginning of the day, don't eat the whole day until you get home, try to fuel yourself first thing in the morning and get yourself some nourishment throughout the day so you can stay in the optimal zone. Because if you don't do that, your, your body's job is just to protect you. It's, it's, it doesn't care about your fat loss goals. Uh, it doesn't care about how you want to look in the mirror. It's going to do everything it can to preserve you and survive and protect your fat stores. So, um, so if you're really drastically undernourishing it, you're going to have some problems with overeating at the end of the night. And like I said, too, it's, if you overeat at the end of the night when it's your least active part, it's going to get in the way of your sleep. Um, you know, it's going to be, it, it's not going to feel good just going to bed on a, a overly full stomach and it, it will, it will affect your sleep quality as well. Okay. My eyes, I got these lights in here right now and they're just like staring into them right now. I got to adjust that for next time. Okay. Let's, uh, all right, next one. So I always feel like I run out of gas in my workouts. What can I do to extend my energy levels? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I was saying, it's like, you know, I can't talk about carbohydrate enough, apparently in this thing, um, this podcast today, but if you find yourself running out of gas in your workouts, again, check your meals are at most meals, are you cons consuming some minimally processed carbohydrate? If you're doing that at each meal, right? Like get some sweet potato in the morning, some brown rice in the afternoon, you know, maybe you get, I don't know, say, say you do some quinoa for dinner or something like that. If you're getting those balance and consumption, and then even maybe you're eating some snacks in between like bananas or apples or something like that, and you still find yourself running out of gas, one of the biggest places I'll go to is pre-workout fueling. So I like to look, can I get my client or athlete consuming an extra, you know, one to 300 calories, 30 to 45 minutes before their workout. And then somewhere between 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrate in that. Um, because you store muscle glycogen throughout the day by consuming 
um, your minimally processed carbohydrates at your meals, but that's stored. So that's great. But you also want some, some carbohydrate rolling in your, in your system separate, right? That you're digesting and you can, you can grab at in your bloodstream um, while you're training. And that's going to be done by consuming a good pre-workout snack. So I actually have a post about this on my Instagram. So if you want to go over and check that out, apparently I'm supposed to plug my social media things when I'm doing these podcasts, which I haven't been doing very well, but I do have a good post on that. You know, something as simple as a half of a PB and J or a, P, a full PB and J before you work out, that can get you some extra carbohydrate between the jelly um, and then, and, and just get some zero sugar stuff if that's an issue for you um, and, and some, some whole wheat bread before you work out too. So that generally works pretty well. Another thing you could do is make like a homemade trail mix. You could do, some people like to do pre-workout shooters because they find that using whole foods before they work out uh, don't really sit well with them during a workout. So they like to do something like a little shot of orange juice, a little shot of protein, um, a little protein scoop before they work out. And that works perfectly fine too. You want to lead with, with carbohydrate and a little bit of protein. Okay. And that'll give you some extra energy for your workouts. If you run into an energy issue past that, what you're going to want to do is supplement with some carbohydrate. And by supplement, I mean, you, you could technically halfway, if you have a workout that lasts longer than 60 minutes, I would advise toward, you know, the halfway mark through your workout or a little bit later, you know, if you're going to consume a whole food, eat a banana or an apple or snack on something, um, you know, in high carbohydrate, that's a little bit higher on the glycemic in index, eat something like that toward the, the latter end of your workout. Or if you're someone that just likes the convenience, um, I know personally, and I don't get paid to promote this, right? Like this is a large scale podcast here by any means, right? Um, but, you know, Gatorade has a really nice endurance formula that they have that has carbohydrate and electrolytes in it. It's only about 90 calories. Um, you could drink something like that at the end of your workout. Because a lot of times they run out of you know, they're like, I worked really hard and I just, you know, I'm done with the workout now because I ran out of, out of uh, energy. And it's like, well, yeah, but you just ran out of fuel most of the time. Sometimes, sometimes you could have extended your workout and what you could have accomplished, but you just ran out of your fuel source. So yeah, so I'd say if you're someone that runs out of gas in your workouts, first place to look is going to be, am I consuming minim minimally processed carbohydrates at most meals? And then second is going to be, do I get a good pre-workout snack? And then I would say third is if I'm extending um, past 60 minutes of working out, do I get some sort of quick energy, some quick digestible carbohydrate in my body, whether that's supplementing it or it's eating some whole foods in there um, that are absorbed quickly. I don't care what you do. It's your preference. Um, but I would look at that. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, okay. Let's look at the next one. I feel like no matter how hard I work, I work out, I can never seem to lose weight. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, I actually, um, so one of my favorite books that I like to read, Nancy Clark, and she's, you know, she's worked with just about any professional athlete you can think of, just one of the, one of the best sports dietitians out there. But she talks about that. One of the things that she does when she counsels people is um, she measures their body fat to give them a reference point because some of the times people feel like they're not losing weight. Um, and they're, but they're simultaneously, if you start strength, strength training and you start dieting at the same time, you may have a simultaneous effect where you're gaining lean body mass and losing body fat, per, fat percentage at the same time. And it will feel like you're not going anywhere if you're using the scale as a measurement. But if you work with a professional that can use calipers or you're near a DEXA scan place or you haven't, uh, you know, you have a medical facility next to you that can do bod pod or something like that, or underwater weighing, you know, that's not, you know, where it's more like that's more body density, but somewhere where you can get your body fat percentage calculated. It's, I feel like it's really a beneficial for, thing for people to do every, every few months or every once in a while when they're really going after some fat loss goal, because I don't like using the scale. I, and she says that in her book too, it's, it's virtually a, it's a useless tool unless you're a weight class athlete. And then even there, it's just kind of the, there's even ethical questions on that, like how good that really is to use that as a scale too, because um, that's just the rule of the sport. It doesn't mean that you 
you know, should be that weight for your height and stuff. But if you're a wrestler or you're, you're other, you're another weight class athlete, you just have to be a certain weight. So I would say that, you know, if you, if you feel like you can't lose weight, number one, make sure you're looking at the right metrics, make sure you're tracking your body fat percentage, make sure you're taking, you know, before and after pictures with some good lighting and some consistent lighting um, and see if that doesn't change how you start to look in your perception of whether or not you're losing or you're making the transformations you want. Um, but then another thing I would look at too is like some of us just aren't going to look the way we want to look. Um, and it, it's a hard thing to learn. And I know it's, it's probably sucks hearing it from someone that coaches people for a living, but you know, there's parts of my body that I don't particularly like how they look either. I've always had, and it's funny too, because when you look at like your ability and the things you can do, you stop really having the body image issue thing as much because so like, for instance, for me, like I've always had small calves, but I could always run really fast. I could always jump really high. You know, I can lift a lot of weight, right? Like, you know, I can deadlift over double, double my body weight with nothing crazy by world record standards, but to the average person, right. You know, when I was, I think like 17, I was, I was back squatting over like 400 pounds and I was 165 pounds. And that's not me bragging. It's just saying like, you, you shouldn't always base um, whether or not you're successful on how you look because it doesn't tell the whole picture. There's people that have better looking calves that, than me that can't jump as high or run as fast or things like that. And and, and while you can train those things, I think what you need to do is kind of look at your family and look how they're built and use it to make a judgment of whether or not you're ever going to look like this magazine thing that you compare yourself to, or this fitness influencer that you compare yourself to. Am I going to ever really look like them? Or am I just like making myself feel bad about my body image for absolutely no reason when I should just focus on the good qualities I have, which is like who you are first, right? It has nothing to do with how you look or how you perform, but then also, yeah, like what your body can do. I wouldn't really focus too much on, and I know that's my job, right? To get people to body composition goals, but I absolutely hate it sometimes because I think people get focused on all the wrong things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And then, you know, if you can't seem to lose weight working out too, another thing that I talked about um, yesterday as well is a very good weight loss tool or fat loss tool. It really isn't. It's easier, you know, for instance, like say you do a half hour workout and you burn 300 calories. Okay. So would it be easier to do a high intensity 30 minute workout um, to burn 300 calories? It would be easier to shave off 300 calories by making better nutritional decisions. It's totally your choice on how you answer that. But for me personally, and just from working with clients and and doing this with myself is, you know, you're going to be able to make larger impacts on fat loss and weight loss goals by focusing on tuning up your nutrition over time, making small adjustments that you can sustain um, versus just trying to exercise yourself into the ground. It never works because here's the thing. Um, and contrary to popular belief, I actually, you know, and I made a post about this the other day too, is contrary to popular belief is as you exercise and as you're more active, you eat more. Just It's just something you naturally do. Look at the calorie consumption of you know, a professional athlete, someone like JJ Watt, 8,000 to 10,000 calories a day versus a sedentary, sedentary person. You will naturally consume more to exercise. And here's the thing is don't use don't use exercises like the main weight loss tool. Try to use your nutrition as that and try to use working out as like what it's intended to be, which is like you were built to move, it does great things for your hormonal system, for your body, for your immune system, for your longevity. Um, you know, if you enjoy doing recreational activities, if you're a mom and you like playing with your kids, or your grandma and you like playing with your kids, do it for the right reasons, man. I'm not, you know, I get it. I know what everybody else tells you. And I know that, you know, when you get off this podcast, you're going to listen to this person talk about it, burn this many calories by doing this. And I just, to be honest with you, I just don't think it, it's the move. I think, I think I use exercise in my training app as a way to reach people initially. But the biggest thing I'm after when I'm working with them, the biggest thing I'm after that I know I can make the largest transformation in is their nutrition. 
Um, so if you can think about it like that, um, that might help your weight loss goals, hopefully. That was a pretty extended answer, but then you get what I'm saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> we talk about music a lot on our calls. How does music, um, what does music mean to you and how does it en enhance your workout experience? Yeah, you know, I really, I love music. I was in choir when I was in high school, um, had an amazing choir teacher. She was awesome. And um, I just, I always like being around it. You know, I really, you know, like currently right now I'm, I'm relearning how to play the piano. Um, I got the keyboard up in my room. I'm not very good, but I just, I've always liked music and I always like like a vast variety of music. I'm someone that, you know, I'll listen to country and rap, but also, you know, rock and roll. Like my dad was in a band growing up rock and roll band and you know I listen to everything so I really I like to use music to kind of get me in the zone for whatever I'm doing and I and I kind of I'm one of those people that has like a playlist for everything is um I like to use music when I work out primarily and and this is something maybe you guys can use too is I like to use because I'm used to from when I was younger playing sports right I'm used to using music to hype me up okay so one of the biggest things that I do tell myself get hyped up for my workout. And I'm not a guy like sitting there like slapping my chest and making noise and being, being one of those idiots, right? But I'm just talking about is getting myself fired up, you know, and getting myself in the zone. I'll listen to a lot of, um, a lot of songs that bring me back to, uh, to some dark places in my life where I've had to overcome things and, or things that I know I've already overcome. I'll listen to these songs that I knew I was just like in a different headspace at that point in my life. And it kind of like motivates me It motivates me as like, you got past that, you, you know, you accomplished these things. And um, I channel that, or I channel just like some anger that I had at, in a, in a good way too. Like I'm not, things I'm not still angry about, but you know, I can listen to some songs specifically and, and I can really bring that out of myself. So I really love to use music and, and working out and um, just everyday life too. When I'm doing my podcast or I'm, um, or getting ready for the podcast, I always listen to music and I always like just sing into my camera or do something stupid like that. Or if I'm up in my room and learning, you know, piano tutorials and things like that, I just like to be around it. Or if I'm working too, like you, you could see, like, if you're hanging out with me a day in the life with me is there's music on when I'm working out with clients, there's music on when I'm writing my Instagram posts, there's, there's music on when I'm, when I'm writing, there's music on when I'm planning you know, um, educational material for the app and things like that. But I always got music going in some aspect. And some days, you know, it's, it's more hype than others. Sometimes I like to listen to sadder stuff to kind of channel that. And, um, but yeah, I think music's a really important thing we should all um, have in our life in some form, which is why I'm uh, struggling through the piano right now so that I can eventually be able to sit down and just kind of, you know, express myself through that a little bit. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Where is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> Here it is. I used to be really afraid of, of consuming carbs and more carbs today. Um, I thought it would make me fat, but adding them back into my life has been so beneficial for my appearance, energy levels, and training. I trained this person that, uh, that did this question. So I agree. And then they go on to say, why did I ever stop eating oatmeal, rice, and potatoes? I don't know, man. I did the same thing um, as I described earlier in, in, in this episode is, yeah, I've been there, man, where you're, you know, you're, you're going the Atkins route, you're going the keto route, uh, right? I got to get my body in the ketosis to lose weight. I got, and you realize it's like, oh, I, I just have to get myself into a calorie deficit to lose weight. It has nothing to do with any particular macro or anything like that. It's, it's really, you know, it, Think about this, it's like if you're already in a calorie deficit and you're pulling a macro out of your life at the same time too of foods that you enjoy, a big source of your calories, a big source of everybody's calories is from carbohydrate and you need it. Um, yeah, you know, like training and life and um, dieting is gonna suck. But yeah, I'm glad that you eat oatmeal and rice and potatoes again because I am for myself too. I am also glad that I do that. Okay. Let's look at the next one. You talk a lot about training people with whatever equipment they have. What are the pros and cons of that approach? 
Yeah, man. Like, uh, I feel like I do whatever I can to get people in the door to start and not from a money making standpoint. I don't mean I'll train you with anything so that you pay me, you know, uh, your membership fee to train with me. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, is people do whatever they can to put these barriers up. I can't work out because I don't have X. I don't have a weight room. I don't have a gym membership. I don't have dumbbells. I don't have kettlebells. And my thing is, is like, look, if you, and I've worked with guys in the military. And so, you know, one of the big things that they do a lot of the time is they train with their own body weight or they rock or they train with sandbags um, and a lot of these tactical settings. And I, you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but if you go look at some, uh, some SOCOM guy and you go tell me that, you know, that they're not ripped as hell, right? And that they can't train hard with sandbags and, and a ruck. And you absolutely can. So my thing is like, I, I like to take people wherever they're at. If all you have at home is just random objects in a backpack. Yeah, I'm willing to take them with that. I'm willing to take my chances that you training with a backpack with some, some stuff around your house is better than you training with nothing. I'm willing to bet that. I would bet my, I would bet my house on it, right? Um, so so yeah, I, I think one of the disadvantages though, it, you're right, because there are pros and cons to everything is programming wise, you may run into some things you can and cannot do, you know, depending on the durability of the equipment you have, right? So if I got, if I got a backpack with random objects, you run the risk of it tearing open and losing the content, contents of it and it falling and um, some, some safety hazards and things, things like that. But we don't really usually run into that because usually by the time someone does that, they buy a real, um, uh, a real like sandbag trainer or something like that. But yeah, I, you know, there are limitations of training with a backpack, but think about this is like, if you had 10 pounds in a backpack, you had 10 pounds on a barbell, for some reason they made a 10 pound barbell and you did front squat, load is load. So, you know, that's the thing is like there, the pro is, is I can train anyone wherever they're at um, with no equipment, that doesn't matter. Um, one of the cons is, is like, right, like if I wanna progress them, it's kind of tough. Like I can't put on weight plates, it's not easily progressible that way. There isn't logical um, large lines of barbell and, you know, or like backpack progressions, the way that there is for training barbells, doing cleans and then I do clean and jerk and then I do, you know, I do hand clean and I do a, a snatch. There's less you can do with backpacks, absolutely. But if you have the right person, for example, my uh, my buddy Brooke Whitehead, who I train, uh, crazy bastard, it's like he only wants to train with a backpack filled with kitty litter. So, and he's got some great results. So, am I going to argue with him that he should go get dumbbells or a barbell? No, man. Like I'm just going to keep doing what I can do as his coach to make make sure that these workouts are challenging enough that they get him to his goals and. Um, yeah. So I, so I agree. Yeah. There are pros and cons, but I think at the same time, um, not enough to not start training with someone, not enough cons that I wouldn't train someone that didn't have equipment. Okay. All right. How common is it for clients to not hit their workouts? It's pretty common. Um, which is, which is exactly why people sign up for, for coaching and, you know, I, I think about this as like, I'm a coach and I have my own coach. I work with a coach um, who just became a coach, who I coach. Um, we all need accountability in some aspect and we're all gonna come up short sometimes, right? We're gonna miss some workouts. We're gonna, we're gonna go out, uh, you know, for a, a bachelor or bachelor weekend sometime. And we're gonna, we're gonna go get after it with the, with the fellas or the ladies and we're gonna get off track. But I think, I'm really not that concerned about people missing singular workouts until it becomes a trend. You know, some people will sign up and this is the same thing with anything, right? People buy products and never use them. People buy, you know, $200 Pelotons and they become a drying rack, right? Um, but some people will sign up for, we, I, I think I have a couple different types of people. It's like, I have people that sign up as, I think they want to change. And I think that being connected and spending money on training gets them closer to thinking about um, finally making that step to making some changes in their life. So there's people that sign up that don't train with me at all. They'll pay for the three months of training and they won't show up. This is, 
online people. This doesn't really happen with in-person people, but I have that. And then I have people that are kind of like dabblers, right? Like they hired me to make them a program for when they do work out. They have a pretty busy life, so they don't always get the workouts in, but damn, they get in more workouts than they would if they were left to their own, um, their own accountability, right? Like if they didn't have a coach to touch base with, if they didn't have someone making a program, they didn't have someone to make them a nutrition um, guide and, and give them nutrition coaching and things like that. So we have those. And then we have people that are just like plugging and play and they, they hit every workout. And there's two different types of those people, even, um, you know, there's people like, I was just talking about Brooke, Brooke, you know, Brooke and I barely jump on the phone at all. I've been making his programs for the last, you know, five months or so. And he doesn't miss a damn workout. So, you know, I, I leave him alone. I touch base with him every once in a while. I want to change this on your program to keep you moving toward your goals. And he goes, okay. And then I do it. Um, and then we have people that show up to the meetings all the time, you know, so they do all their workouts and they show up at the meetings and we make the nutritional adjustments and we make the adjustments to our programs, you know, on a biweekly basis or a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't really like to talk about, you know, do you have clients that don't get the workouts and look, these people are grown people. You know, my job as their coach is to just provide a path and support them and give them accountability and guidance and support. That's it. You know, they don't owe me anything for missing workouts. This is all for them. I'm just here to provide a path for them. Obviously, they all know, you know, anybody that works with me knows I have their back and I have their best interests in mind. I'd love to see them succeed in the program, but I don't, I don't guilt trip people over missing workouts. I just tell them like, hey, this is here for you when it's ready. Let's, let's. Let's give it a go. Okay. So, um, so good question, but yeah, I, I don't really like talking about that stuff because what I'm worried about is just where, um, where people's head and their heart is at, because I think eventually over time they end up, they'll get it right. I've had people that have signed up with me for three months and the whole first month, they didn't show up to a single call or workout. And they're like, you know, I'm going to get my shit together. And then they get all their workouts in and they show up to all their calls and who am I to judge them if they're paying for my service? I definitely am not going to do that. Okay. So what is the key to being successful in one of your training plans? That's a great question. I actually had a conversation with my friend, uh, my friend Ruben last night. Diaz, I love you, brother. We should have, uh, we should have uh, recorded our conversation and made a great podcast. He was one of those guys actually that in the beginning, um, he didn't get a lot of his work and he, I don't think I'm airing out anything, but he wouldn't get a lot of his workouts in the start and he got a kettlebell for home and man, you know, he shows up to all the calls. He gets all of his workouts and absolute pleasure to work with. But we talked about this yesterday that I think the key to being successful in one of my training plans is open-mindedness. I think like when we go into a training plan and we go into a diet plan or, you know, anything, we go into anything in life with a closed mind of like what I want it to look like. We shut off all these possibilities of ways we could succeed or things that we could see that would benefit us. I really think that the most important trait in being successful in a training plan is open-mindedness. I really believe that because sometimes clients will come in and I'll be like, well, you know, um, I'd like you to train with this. Well, I don't have that. Well, you don't have this, this, and this, we have to do something. Well, I don't want to and they have just a, such like a, a defense mechanism for not doing anything that they feel comfortable with, right? Um, not doing anything they feel uncomfortable with. And I think it's really important to break yourself of that because some of the times you miss out on opportunities. Well, I'll see this. I see this actually with people on nutrition coach too. They're like, well, I just want to eat keto. I just want to eat. And they're not realizing half the time if they were actually objective about what they were talking about and what their goals were, that they were way more focused on eating or working out a certain way with a certain piece of equipment than they actually were about objectively getting to the bottom of what they need to do to get to their goals, right? So like, for, for example, if someone was constantly like, you know, I just feel flat when I work out and they're just committed, I, you know, I'm, I'm keto, I don't want, well, all you have to do is consume a little bit of carbohydrate before you work out and you would solve your problem. No, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm going to, and, and that's why I don't really like buying into any particular methodology. Everything's just a tool. Keto is not even bad either. Um, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing conceptually, 
Um, but I'm saying is you need to think about everything that exists in the world as like a tool and as an opportunity to help you in your journey. And you can't be turning on, turning off all these other possibilities. And that's the thing too. A lot of this stuff that, you know, if you come into training the first time, a lot of this stuff is going to feel unnatural, right? Like if you're not used to showing up and being accountable to someone other than yourself, it's going to feel unnatural, right? It's like, Hey, I want to, it almost like for some people, it's like pulling teeth to get them to come to a, a meeting 15 minutes a week, because they're not used to doing that. They're not used to just going, you know what? It's only 15 minutes. I need this to get to my goal. I'm going to show up or same thing with workouts. You know, you can make someone a 20 minute workout and they don't do them. And it's like, well, you're eventually going to be need to be the person that goes, I need to do this. I need to show up for this. And so I think that's the thing is just like, open-mindedness is going to be so important for your success in anything, but I think really in training because, you know, being open-minded to jumping on coaching calls and receiving feedback, being open to making nutritional adjustments. Hey, maybe this isn't, you know, I'm talking about my dad right now. Uh, Maybe this isn't a a diet Coke and in a donut, but I can get something that can satisfy that sweet taste and still eat something in line with my goals, right? Like, you know, maybe grab like a flavor Greek yogurt and, you know, sparkling water or something like that, but be open to adjustments, be open to coaching, be open to feedback. And I think you'll be really successful in whatever you do. And it doesn't have anything to do with training with me. Um, I think that applies to everything. Okay. Um, Let's look at this one. I just started a training business out of my basement. Do you have any recommendations for in parentheses, making it work? Oh man, I got a, I got a gang of, got a gang of shit that'll uh, help you make it work. But yeah, so the biggest thing I would say is if you don't work for a gym, you work for yourself, make yourself a schedule, get yourself a planner, make yourself a routine that you do. This is, you know, set out, set out a schedule for yourself. These are the times that I meet with clients. You know, these are, these are the, the hours that I take clients. These are the hours that I plan doing marketing materials. These are the hours I make videos. These are the hours, whatever. You do administration work, whatever. But, and I noticed this because I'm this way, ADHD, you know, my whole life and, and squirrel, right? Like, like I can lose my attention very fast, but I notice if I have a schedule in front of me, it's very helpful for making it work, right? Because you, if you're going to be a business owner, uh, this isn't just showing up and, and training people for a couple hours a day. This is the real deal now. You need to know how to stay organized for tax purposes, for legal purposes, for your business, for customer relations, things like that. So I would say the first step would just be making sure that you keep a planner, whether that's on Google Calendar or use a physical planner. I use a combination of both, but get yourself a planner. Um, do that. And then I would say, Don't get cute with your training equipment. If you're looking to fill your basement with tools that are for the average person, and I would assume that you're going to be training the average adult, right? If you just started um, a gym out of your basement, I would, I would um, encourage you to stick to, if you're going to purchase some equipment, kettlebells are really versatile. Suspension trainers are really versatile. um, Power blocks or other adjustable dumbbells are really um, a really versatile piece of equipment. Um, I would stick to getting a, a bench, things like those, just getting the bare basics to start because you have to realize most of the people that you'll train, they're not doing anything when they come into work with you. So you simply having something like dumbbells and a bench and things like that, you can get them some awesome results. I have clients that I train remotely that all they have at their home is a pair of power blocks. Um, probably you know 10 to 12 people that I train with currently remotely went out and just, you know, spent 350 bucks on a pair of um, 50 pound power blocks, adjustable kettlebells, and and they get great success. So I would say if you're a trainer, you know, keep your equipment simple to start because you got to make some money, you got to save some money, you got to live. And then you can always add to your, your equipment over time, as you train people as you pick up more clients. Um, That's the way you make it work. If you're, if you're overzealous, and you want to try to purchase everything at once, you're not going to be successful. I could show you a video of what that backyard looked like that I trained my clients in when I first moved here. All I had was a pair of 50 pound power blocks. That was it. You know, now I got 
pull-up bars and pulleys and multiple suspension trainers. And I got trap bars and barbells and a squat rack. And, but that was, you know, that was accumulated over months. Don't, you know, don't feel like you have to be the fanciest person to get someone good results. You don't, you have to be a great coach. You have to be supportive. You have to provide a path for the, the person you work with and pass that equipment's just equipment. You can always get more, you know, and what's nice is too, from a progression standpoint, if you get them working with kettlebells and barbells first, and you start building up some clientele, that's going to be some money that you can use to buy barbell. And by the time that they've tapped out the kettlebells and the, and the dumbbell progressions, well, now you got a barbell. So, you know, use that early portion of your program to fund later purchases. Um, I would also tell you too, that if you want to make it work, you're going to have to do shit like this. The reason I do the podcast is obviously I do this for clients and I do this for people listening, but I do this. This is advertisement for me. You know, people need to be able to see what you're about and how you are and how you handle things and what you're like, um, you know, before they, they pay 50 to hundred bucks an hour to train with you, man, you know, depending on where you live and, you know, cause, cause training is not cheap. So I would say start making videos and, um, you know, about your philosophies and about training and give training tips and nutrition tips and things like that, because it'll allow you to get yourself some exposure, some free exposure. And then, you know, you get lucky over time, right? Like now I'm to the point where I got paid advertisements in this. And so that's cool. So you can make a little bit of money, but I'm saying just for advertisements, start filming yourself, start recording yourself so people can get, get to know you a little bit, right? Um, and put a face to you and put a personality to you and go like, you know what, if I'm going to spend 50 to hundred bucks training, um, you know, per session or whatever, whatever the rate is, you know, where you are, I'm going to spend it with them or her. Right. Um, and then another thing too, I got my little, you know, I got my little sober performance training duffel bag here. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, right. And you're doing your own thing, you better do some branding. I, anytime I work out anywhere, I use my solar performance. Um, I use my solar performance blender bottle. So it's got my logo on it. I always bring my duffel bag with me. I always, 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 let's go in this bag here. I always keep pamphlets in here, you know, so I always do, you know, my training pamphlets. I always keep a client testimonial book with me with all my testimonials from my clients. This one's from Dickie, this one's, you know, so you got pages of those so that if they wanna talk, you can talk. Um, I always keep a binder with all my packages. Um, what does it include? Who is it for? You know, at the end we got the, uh, I go far enough back. You know, you got the plan cost for training in person. You could have them for, if you do online training, you could have one for that too. And then just, you know, simple business cards as well. Um, I think it's really important to have those things on hand because when you get into conversations with people, how the hell are they going to get in contact with you? How do they know that you're legit? I think especially too, when you're an entrepreneur, when I tell people I have like a, a backyard gym, they're like, yeah, okay. But, but if they see it, they're like, okay, this is legit space. Right. But so another thing that I would do too, is take a video of your training space. You know, when I say I have a backyard gym, people go, okay, yeah, you got a couple dumbbells in the backyard and couple old rusty plates and then it's like I filmed the walkthrough and now when I talk to people they're like oh shit yeah like you have a, a pool you have a whole training space um with you know barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells and all these things so they got to be able to see your training space so I would say you know be smart with your time and your scheduling be smart with your you know your planning be smart with keeping marketing materials on you be smart with getting exposure I don't like doing this shit, but I, I kind of do now, but you know, I, 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 I would rather not do it, but I know that people need to see me to, to, to feel comfortable working with me. So, you know, I would say do something like that. And then, um, yeah, just always be ready and have like an elevator speech for what you do. Um, have reasons that make you better than another gym. Like when I talk to people, I always tell people, the big advantage I have over gyms is like, I'm the boss here. Like you're going to get to use all the equipment when you come here. You're not going to be at the mercy of like, if you're at a 24 hour gym, right? Trainers are sharing the space with other people. You know, when you come and work with me, you know, you get access to all the equipment. 
you know, you're going to get in and out at the, at the time that I tell you to. And that's just something that you can't promise at a commercial gym. Um, you know, so think about like what your things are. Think about the points that you emphasize. Obviously, you know, if you're a great coach and things like that, that's great. But you got to think about the things that separate you from other people too. So think about those, those things as well. Um, that's one of the reasons I can get some people around here. It's a pretty affluent, pretty rich neighborhood I live in. And, you know, the big selling point to them is, you know, this is, I value your time and you're going to be able to get in and out of here when, when you say you are, and this is private, you're going to have some privacy training here. So yeah, you'll have your own ones too. Um, all right, we'll go last one here. I really don't know how long I've gone so far, but we'll call it after this one. Do you have any Minchi Poo stories? I have, I have too many Minchi Poo stories to count, um, but I don't want to go to jail and I don't want anyone to judge me or him. So maybe I'll stick to, to, let me think here. I'm trying to think about one that's like just enough uh, degenerate activity, but doesn't make us look like complete pieces of shit. Ah, we'll just use the, we'll use the Fruity Pebbles one. Okay. So one morning, you know, we're in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So I'm in college, you know, Mincha just moved back from California. By the way, he, he drove back from California um, in one, one go, just drinking monster and never stopped 32 hours. He's insane. But that aside, so he's living with me. He just moved in. He just got out of the Marines and we're living over you know, a couple of blocks, like a block or two from Howie's um, at this apartment. And, um, oh no, this is, I'm not gonna tell the cereal one. I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna tell the bike one. So it's Oktoberfest, all of our buddies go out. Obviously there's house parties and things like that. We go out to bars, whatever, come back, everybody's dead, we all pass out. Um, I couldn't find Minch at the end of the night. So I was just like, whatever. He, he used to leave his window open so he could get in in case he lost his keys, which used to happen a lot, um, believe it or not. And uh, so I go to bed and I'm dating this girl at the time, whatever. We're just, just laying in bed. And um, all of a sudden, Minch just comes in at like seven in the morning. He's just out of breath. And he's like, Tyler, come here, come here. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, you have to see this bike. I bought this bike and I was like, oh man, runs outside, comes back in, he walks in a bike. There's a couch right where we, um, right where you come into the door. He just sets the bike against the couch. He goes, I was like, did you buy it or did you steal it? He's like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Like just kind of like ignores the, the question, just sets the bike down. I'm like, all right, man, I'm gonna get a little bit more sleep before we start drinking again, whatever, and do our, uh, our October festing again, whatnot. And, uh, so I go lay back down and all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door and uh, Minch pops right out of bed. He goes, I'll get it. And he goes up the door and it's a police officer. And he goes, he goes, are you Josh Minch? He's like, yep. He's like, I would ask you if you stole a bike, but I can see it. And he's like, that's, that's my bike. And he's like, he's like, no, it's not. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, come with me. It's like, I'm like, oh shit. Minch is going to go to jail. So I follow him out, he's just like sitting against the cop car and the cop pulls out. It's not only that he's just getting in trouble for stealing the bike, apparently the lady that owns the bike said she wouldn't press charges if she got the bike back, okay? So he was just letting, he was just letting Minch, because a lot of people get crazy during Oktoberfest and do dumb things. Um, it, it's the norm during that period of time for anyone that's not from Wisconsin. But anyways, she goes, I get it. People get really drunk during Oktoberfest. I just want my bike back. So gets the bike back. And then the cop, you know, because there's no charges filed, it was so funny because the cop had an actual video of Minch. He actually went to the hospital that night for alcohol poisoning. And so he woke up and he like took his EKGs off and he stole a bike and just rode back to our apartment but he fell over a bunch of times while he was doing it. So the cop had a video of him on surveillance camera, stealing the bike and falling over, <laughs> going again, falling over, and then finally like riding it home. But yeah, man, I have, uh, I have too many funny like min stories to, to tell, um, but uh, maybe I'll tell the one of us, uh, 
sneaking into the military base at one time. Maybe, I don't know, but probably, probably not a today thing, but hey guys, I just want to thank you for everybody who sits and listens to me ramble for, <laughs> for uh, 45 minutes to an hour um, every couple of days to do these podcasts. Really appreciate you guys. And I hope that some of this stuff that I shared with you guys was beneficial to the people who asked the questions, but were also beneficial to people that maybe had those questions for themselves, um, but just didn't think to ask them. So I want to thank you guys for listening and you guys all take care. That is not all recorded.